You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with the silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, uh, Sir Lucian. Good morning, sir. Sorry for the audio delays. Uh, I Right before we went live, it was like 30 seconds. I'm like, I bet my audio's not working. That's weird. There we go. Now you're in the yellow. Now we got it. Now that's what we like. We figured it out. This is also the Saturday morning um, troubleshooting audio show. So if you've never had to troubleshoot that, welcome. Almost had a special guest. (laughs) Almost had a special guest. Uh, Oliver was like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm going to do my show. And he's like, well, uh, what is that? And I'm like, well, that's where I talk to those people. You remember their faces on the screen? And he's like, well, I want to talk to people. And I was like. Well, then come on down in a little bit. And, but he got distracted by breakfast. So um, sorry for well, the audio issues, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for understanding. Yeah, I had to, um, because of, of Great Mode Run March, mm-hmm. uh, I originally was recording audio using OBS, but OBS can't record just audio. So I was recording like a four-hour video just to get the audio, and it was... Uh, absurd and dumb. So because of that, I reinstalled Voice Meter Banana, which has been causing all of the problems that I had originally and got rid of Voice Meter Banana um, so that I wouldn't have these problems every time I start OBS. Uh, but now I'm just going to have to double check everything again because I need it in order to record two audio streams onto the same track. I hate Makes audio. Sense. Like It's funny how... <laughs> Audio is probably audio. more important than video in yes. you well in just about everything because you you got to be able to hear people, um, but it is the most difficult for me personally to figure out. So, <laughs> lots. We of are uh, mid September. Does that mean the boy already has a costume for Halloween? You know, we're trying to figure that out. Uh, ah. We normally are very good about creating. Uh, mm-hmm excessive amounts of Halloween costumes. <laughs> um, but this year we haven't We've been able to all. think of anything. He doesn't quite understand Halloween. So we asked him like, well, Hey, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, I want to be Oliver. And I'm like, yeah. well, you could do that. Um, we were toying with the idea of him being me, me being mom and mom being Oliver. I thought that would there be kind of funny. Uh, but he didn't really understand. <laughs> he was like, what? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I'll let you know. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to get a picture or something up. I, we want to do some kind of a theme trick-or-treat costume, but we'll mm-hmm. see, uh, what we come up with. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're getting to that time. Um, you know, September moving into the fall season of game playing where people maybe start to head indoors a little bit more. At least it is here for us in the Yeah, it finally just cooled <laughs> off. Like, we were able to go outside. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's no longer hundreds of degrees outside. Heat but waves it is are cooling off, for gone. sure. Yeah. Um, hi, Chili Dog. Leaves are falling on the yard? Not quite yet, but, yeah. you know. All right. Um, which also means end-of-the-year Kickstarters are happening, which That's we'll talk right. about then, because a lot of, uh, I <laughs> feel like much. a lot of Kickstarters are just like, we got to get it done before the end of the fiscal year or something. And so yeah. lots of Q4 uh, money buying, or Kickstarters finishing so that they can spend all of that money before they have to pay taxes on it mm-hmm. by uh, the end of the year. So it's kind of interesting. It's interesting now running running a YouTube business, I'm noticing a lot more of that kind of stuff where I, I kind of wish I wasn't noticing it, but yeah, you're the like, Oh no, no, we got to get yeah. this now so that I can spend it all. And then it's like <laughs> part of a business expense. Yep. And I was like, Oh, interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. For those of you just starting, uh, well, you probably are not listening anymore. Cause you're like, what? There's you're no done. audio, but we're a D and D, uh, tabletop role playing kind of podcast. We just talk about news and things going on in the world of tabletop games and uh, quickly, I wanted to touch on this just because it was in the news, but it seems like a real weird, frivolous thing. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day, well, not back in the day, a, a little while ago, there was uh, a company that started calling themselves TSR, and yeah. they were trying to usurp D&D, and I will, I'll use that word, usurp. They were really weird about it, and they were starting a new game 
and they were very like anti-woke culture and all this other stuff and it was just kind of a they were just weird and one of them was a relative of the original Gary Gygax like uh, uh, one of the sons or something but not uh not Luke. Not Luke Gygax. Right. It was Luke's like Ernie Gygax or something. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But like Gary Somehow Gygax's related. wife controls the thing and she sold it all. And so there was a weird thing. But he's like, well, we're going to reclaim it. We're going to do all this stuff. They kind of started calling them new TSR. That's N-U-T-S-R. Um, well, Wizards of the Coast filed a lawsuit against them uh, because they were on the basis that they're trying to destroy the Wizards of the Coast uh, D&D reputation. Um, and some really weird, like, racist stuff was coming out of the woodwork that New TSR was trying to publish a very a very racist kind of, like, game and uh, have it under the guise of, like, hey, it's D&D. And so the whole thing seems very, like, I don't think you would have actually published this. I think it was all a stage... This is Jordan's thinking, that it was a <laughs> staged thing to try and ruin their reputation, but it's caused Wizards of the Coast to actually file a lawsuit to stop them from doing this, which is probably what they wanted. I don't really know. Uh, Ted's following it a little bit on, on Nerdiversion's channel, but I think it's also one of those... Uh, nobody really wants. Nobody really wants to care about this. Like we're giving them attention when we shouldn't be giving them attention, kind of a thing. So, uh, but it is in the nudes. It's kind of floating around. Uh, but moving on, I noticed that the internet is blowing up about Critical Role. Do you know what happened on Critical Role? Can we talk about well, what happened on Critical Role? Because I haven't been listening. Yes. Spoilers or whatever. What I started noticing is all of a sudden the reaction videos, which you all know. How much we love that. <laughs> Maybe they don't. Maybe we only talked about that off camera. But the uh, I started noticing like on Tuesday and Wednesday, all these people putting up videos on Critical Role on their channels yeah. about their reaction to episode 33. And I hadn't been following it in the last, I think the last episode I might have watched was early episodes, like maybe 10 or 11, somewhere in there. And then I kind of fell off. But uh Danimal, our dungeon master, usually keeps up with it quite a bit. And I, so I'm not spoiling because I don't know exactly what happened, but I feel like what's happened is they, in episode 33, they're in a combat where some players have gone down. Maybe some have failed some death saves to the point that they're dead unless something else happens in the world or some, the group is able uh -huh. to come out of it. And then at the end of that, I feel like it was they weren't done with the combat so it was like this ending of a session which happens to all dungeon masters sometimes where you have a nice big combat going on things are starting to take a decline but you're running out of time so you're gonna have to come back next week to figure out how this all wraps itself up and that would have been on thursday but i haven't heard anything about what happened on thursday so i don't know if the crew of critical role has been able to turn it around and miraculously save everybody or I can't imagine that it's been a total group wipe, but I think what had made it popular and what made it all of a sudden everybody was talking about it was the idea that it could possibly be a TPK. So what I thought was more interesting okay. is not to go with spoilers, because I don't know actually what, what's going on in that storyline at the moment, but I thought it was a cool topic to think about from the standpoint of these live play games how popular would that series get all of a sudden if we hit a TPK 33 episodes in in this season? Wouldn't that bring a lot of people back to go back and, oh my God, what happened? And go watch, you know, episodes 32 and 33 to lead up, see the TPK, and then maybe follow it another episode or two because you just don't see that in Dungeons & Dragons 5e very much anymore. I, I yeah. don't hear of a lot of total group wipes you know well and i i will say like tpks are more difficult in 5e i feel yeah. uh but you're absolutely right like i i wonder i i can't imagine the brand like that they're gonna be okay with a tpk because it's like we've got yeah. shirts for characters we've got this like so do you stop it as the dungeon I, master as the dungeon master i i would look I mean, financially, you do stop it 100%. Yeah, you You're just like, to. like you don't, ki you don't kill Dritz to Erden 
without a way of bringing him back. Because you know? the dice rolled a one instead of a Yeah, two. exactly. <laughs> but that's also D&D. &D. that's D&D. &D. And, like, if your brand is role-playing games and D&D, &D, like, that's D&D. That's &D yeah. You know, death happens. I could yeah. see them killing one character. Um, Matt seems like he'd probably be like, well, it's a lethal game, guys. You made a bad decision. But, but would he kill I the can't whole see group? the yeah. whole party. I, I definitely think they would wake up in a... Um, they'd wake up in the afterlife and have to like travel back and find their bodies or something. And it would be a whole adventure or they yeah. would wake up in a, in a prison and it's like, Oh, we yeah. brought you back. Like you were well, just knocked out. <laughs> yeah. And one thing and he I did think kill that we... one Molly mock or whatever that character did die. Yeah. I should say that. Yeah. So yeah. Characters have died on the show. Um, yeah. And that was kind of where I was going to go with that next kind of comment was the idea that, we have seen how they handle character deaths. And from what we know in the background or what I have heard, I believe, and, you know, maybe this is wrong, um, is that typically when that happens after the session, Matt meets with the player typically and really just asks, what do you think? And do you, do you want to bring this character back? And then we'll just, you know, there's all kinds of story. There's all kinds of ways in the game that are possible to bring a character back. It's not impossible to go and get resurrected or revivified or have some high-level NPC help yeah. you out or, you know, pray to the gods, whatever it might be. So if the player's really set on, no, I'm really digging this, it'd be cool if I could come back and we could work it into the story somehow perfect but that player also could say no this is great that was the best ending that was the best death they could have that was the arc i really wanted i i think i'm going to bring another character in which is kind of what happened in the last season and we're going to go from there and lots of people love that character too right so they could go both ways and they talk it out and they figure it out um but a group is all of a sudden you know if the whole group goes down and they're in the middle yeah, of that campaign. Yeah, because that's a TPK. That's usually, like, adventure over. Like, yeah, yeah, do you bring them together and you say, okay, guys, the dice went against us. You you guys failed. You did the wrong thing or you made the wrong choices. Or just most of the time, it's just the dice. The group's wiped out. Do we have a high-level NPC come in and do something? Or are you guys set on, no, we're going to all make new characters? <laughs> you know, it'd be like, what would happen? So that just seems like a, a almost, I think of it as almost like the Kobarashi Mamoru kind of thing. It's like a hard place that you don't, it's not winnable. Like you can't not do it because there's just so many people making artwork and there's so much, like you said, merchandising going on. And there's so many story arcs that Matt has already worked on technically, probably set stuff yeah. out. Maybe things are being built to, to further the storyline to then all of a sudden just boom, wipe out, you know? But I think it's interesting that it's a different discussion when you're talking about a live play show and a company that's based around it versus me or Jordan running our games and our party wipes. We're not having the same kind of thoughts. You know, we're not having to go as deep into it as they are because it's a multi-million dollar business for them, yeah. which is very different than us playing with our friends on a Tuesday night and, oh, everybody died. All right, cool. New campaign. Here we go. Yeah, you, know, you like, might whatever. have players upset that everybody died, yeah. but, uh, and I, I'll still have that conversation. Like my Ghost yeah. of Saltmarsh TPK was very much like, well, what do you guys want to do? And everyone was like, I think we just started a new game. And I'm like, okay, yeah, we okay, did. Here we go. So. But, yeah. you know, we were even talking about it would have been cool in Ghosts of Saltmarsh if they play the ancestors, like, and then it's yeah. like, you know, 60 years in the future, and the world is now run by Sahagwin, you know. Mm -hmm. And so you, you could map it, but boy, as a dungeon master, I would hate to have this entire thing set up to do a whole character arc for all of these people. And it's like, well, that's all gone now because they all died. But Right. I, I thought one of the ways I was going to handle it in my Storm King's Thunder game, if if the whole group had went down, was the idea that they would get to play the characters that were going to go through a mini adventure to perform a ritual to bring heroes back to fight the great evil that they, they have to fight. So like a high level person comes in and says, you know, kind of like the Doctor Strange, I've looked at 7 million possibilities. And if these people don't do the thing they're supposed to do, the world ends. So I need your group of people to get them back. How are you going to do that? Well, we've got time travel. We've got, let's go down to the plains of hell and grab them. You know, there's like all kinds yeah. of ways you could run that. And so they would get a chance to play other characters 
that have a mission to bring their normal characters back because it's imperative. And then when that's done, it's a nice little interlude and we can go back to those characters and say, okay, here we go. You're back and you're going back after the, the, the great big bad guy again. Yeah, so I, I think was there a was a, a game out there where you play the familiars like of there wizards and stuff. Cool. And it's the same thing where Get it's like they're all trapped somewhere and you, yeah. you, you get to do a side mission as like a cat to save yeah. your master or your or uh, tomb of annihilation would be great. You have to go down and get it, the souls that have been trapped by a Sarak. Yeah. And that's your mission. You have to go get those souls. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be really fun and cool. So I thought that was interesting. So that was the big thing that I saw out there in critical role. Um, I've only watched a little bit here and there. Um, they've got some interesting characters. I haven't latched on as much to the characters they're playing this year as I have in previous um, which is weird because normally they make really good, interesting characters, I think. But this time I didn't. I didn't really grab on any that I thought. Ooh, I really want to watch and see where this one goes. So the only I've one kind I of really bounced know off is the one. robot is uh, fresh yeah. cut grass, but yeah, and it's probably just because it's a weird name. Yeah, right? and I, I honestly <laughs> and the art and stuff for my it just looked cool. But yeah. I I don't know the characters as well. Oh, I guess uh, Marish is playing like a a really kind of creepy warlock character. So that's fun. Maybe I know more than I think. Yeah. So it's it was interesting. I thought it was notable because I saw it out there a lot. Critical Role is definitely still a big juggernaut in the the role playing space, and you know when they're doing stuff that kind of reverberates around. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, but I think that's what. Ha- so I don't know what happened on thir- on episode thirty four, which I think would have been this Thursday. It doesn't release. I couldn't go back and watch the VOD because I don't think they released their VODs for people who watch it live till Monday for some reason, which I've never quite understood. It's to why up they do the that. live hype, I think, uh, okay. to watch it live. Um, it's kind of, I mean, I released this podcast on Monday, but right. it also gives me time to like edit it and stuff. But yeah. 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 But you don't have a staff of people and millions. No, you're right. And I can't imagine anybody makes a decision that says, oh, I can't wait till Monday. I have to be able to watch it on Saturday, Sunday. So, nope, I guess I'm just going to stay up all Thursday night and watch it. Because oh, man, you're not a true I, I fan then. Yeah. That, I can't see that, that logic working. Well, in and Pacific heads. coasters are probably a lot easier to watch it than East there Coasters. There you go. Yeah. So, it's yeah. super late for, for us. So I feel um, bad because I'm running Great Motor on March and all of my players are East Coast except me. Right. And so we finish, and it's like nine nine thirty. I'm like, yeah, that was great. It's like pushing midnight for them. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, sorry, I'm tired. I got a work night. <laughs> so very cool. I did also see another great video, though. I did definitely want to talk about. We we mentioned it a little bit in our chat. Was Matt Coville put out a great video about introducing world lore and your campaign setting to your players. And he gave really good examples, I thought, of when he when he tried it and he failed and when he tried it and he thought it was working and it did much better. And there's that beautiful, beautiful clip that he shows of him having a one-off session with Dale. And oh, so good. I'm so happy you said I that. I was like, that's the that's the quintessential clip you show somebody that that's what D&D is about. That's, like, that's what you're trying to achieve. That's what you're trying yeah. to get. You're trying to get this cool moment you're setting up as a dungeon master and your player is so into it they're making all kinds of weird faces they're like they're that you can see like balloons popping off as ideas are going what 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 you know all that kind of stuff and that surprise because that'll be something they just remember and talk about forever oh yeah those are the moments you're trying and in that video he talks about having like a magic item that can give information um like the crystal hand i'll give you more information if i have more if you fix me if you give me (laughs) more parts more fingers fingers. um which is funny that it really is uh serendipitous maybe mm-hmm. uh coincidental that i was watching that but i'm also reading up for my great modron march game there is a magic item in that game that's a skull that has information magically stored in it and you mm-hmm. can ask the skull specific questions about the planes and it will answer but it it's uh, it can be affected by certain spells or anti-magic zones so it can give you like gobbledygook and the original mm-hmm. game came with a CD that had tracks of information. So when oh, the players nice. would ask the right question, you could play the CD track. And I'm going to I'm gonna look for it. I'm going to see if I can find <laughs> an MP3 of it somewhere. Or maybe it's on YouTube. 
and then I can get those actual track files. And it would be fun to introduce this and then play it for my group is my goal. Yeah. So that'd be very cool. So I just love that idea. It's over on uh, Matt Coville's channel. He always puts out really good dungeon mastering tip videos and such. He also mentioned at the very end of that video that they had a lot of, or maybe not a lot of, but they had extra minis from their campaigns. Yeah, a couple I looked of campaigns that, that have completed. So if instead of them trying to store them and just keep them, they're just like you know uh, advertising that you guys can go. Well, they're finally to their available and... for purchase. I think is the big yeah. thing. Um, so you just go and a lot them. of them are the Beast Heart companions. And I, I don't know if I want a $35 mini, but I think I'm going to buy the, um, well, specifically, I really want the uh, Raptor. Like, I think that mm -hmm. it's just, it looks so good. Like, it's mm -hmm. so cool. So it'd be fun to have that yeah. mini. It would also be fun to have the the mushroom guy. So they, they look really good. Like, yeah, I haven't have really good art. I haven't seen, because sometimes the 3D renders look really good and you get the physical product and you're like, eh. Um, and I haven't seen a complaints about the physical product from MCDM yet, but uh, mm -hmm. the designs are amazing. So yeah. I don't they know have if pictures get... of the mini, so it looks yeah, yeah. Do they do good. print files as well? Uh, that would it... be cool too if, yeah. for all of those that have the. the I'd be more inclined print. to buy a print file because then I could have like all of them for a lot cheaper. But yes, so yes. many friends with 3D printers, it's great, <laughs> and they're all like chomping at the bit to print stuff because they just want to play with their new toy. Yeah. So I'm like, well, hey, I've got. The oh yeah, yeah, I'll print those. That sounds great. Yeah, yeah, whatever like, okay, it is. Cool. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. So very cool. Um, so check that out. There wasn't too much on the D and D channel. No I did notice. Um, did you watch any of the uh, PAX uh, Ack Inc. game? I didn't. I uh, I got. I watched a little so bit of it. We, I I had a really full weekend of. Uh, we went kayaking. Like oh I, we went to this like blue, clear, crystal clear water, like hidden kayak zone, and so mm -hmm. hey, no barking. We got a new puppy. Uh, <laughs> so I I've been busy. We did a lot of stuff. So I missed all of PAX, but. Uh, they did. They actually did an acting game. Then did they? They did, and okay. Jeremy was back. And and see, I hadn't figured out what had happened in the last game, but putting it together as I was watching the first one, chat can correct me for those of you that are super fans and know. I think what happened is the game before this one, Jeremy must not have been able to make it, so they kind of did like a little interlude, kind of one-off. They went to. They had to go to Modron, or they had to go to Sigil, I think, and deal okay. with Modrons because the Modrons had come to them and said, everything's messed up, time is not working because of this, and they go there, and right now it was, you know, all these Modrons are trying to put a Band-Aid on how time works by moving time around, but it's slowed everything down, and so they brought the character group in to try to fix that, and then Jeremy was back, so then he was able to say, okay, that whole adventure had happened, and now you're back to where we were, back on the top of the tower, and they're like the prison. They were in a prison. They were doing a prison escape kind of thing. And uh, it's got all the, you know, the fun characters and the and the humor that you have from an Act Geek game. Um, they always have just the really funny table banter that I love at, you know, in those games. So I always like to go back and, and, and watch those. I think they're, they have to fight their clones. They were about to fight their oh, that's clones. Fun that they were going to have to go after. and um, well, that's, So it looked uh, pretty good. I haven't watched the whole thing, but I did get yeah. to see some of it, and it was pretty good. No, that's... Uh, I'm just looking at... I went to AckInc.com, um, mm -hmm. and the last one they have is in May. They did... Uh, Chris Straub DM'd a game yes. for PAX East. So I imagine yeah. the PAX uh, West game will be popped up here shortly, but almost yeah. went to PAX West. It was this close. Yeah. And totally what made me really think of it, too, is, you know... They're doing Modrons. You're doing Modrons. Yeah. I thought, well, you might want to go back and take a look at that one I just should, yeah. to see how they did it. Because it, it was Chris Straub is super funny, but it's like that super dry humor, straight face humor that he can do that, you know, it, it, a style of humor that's just not everybody gets. But, man, it cracks Where you don't laugh up. at yourself. Like, I have the I problem where I'm like, I just so said hard. something funny. Yeah. But those people that can just deadpan, like, no. Yes. It's so good. Full deadpan. And just being able to deliver dialogue, like, on point. Like, it was, with no stumbles, it was so good. So you might go back and check that out, because I thought it was a pretty funny 
little thing that because they did a recap in the beginning of this one and it made me super interested to go back and watch the other one but uh so i like those games i think they're fun i love that that crew i love watching jeremy dungeon master i think chris would be great dungeon mastering i should go back and watch that one i like it when jerry dungeon masters too jerry Holkins yeah, stuff Jerry's is fun. really good um the whole team you know the, the whole group and they've got the the cool characters over there you know um and they're, they're you know they always have the funny uh jokes and and I just think it's a whole pretty good show. So check it out when you get check it out. Check it out. Um, I was also super excited. It's getting close. I saw some cards get revealed for Magic: The Gathering, the four Warhammer 40k set that's coming okay, out. So, so Lucian, yes. Ex- for for those of us who don't know, because I do, I know all about it. But like you for know people who don't, what yes. what is Warhammer 40k and why should I care about it? Yes, so Warhammer 40K is what I would consider, they call it the grim dark future, 40,000 years into the future, built by a company in England, so it's kind of based off of that World War II, big super great wars kind of thing. Lots of factions, lots of history, lots of books written by really good authors have built this world. It's a tabletop war game that's expanded to... Large battles, epic battles, small battles, um, role-playing games, video games, mobile games, every type of game you can, board games, everything you can think of. And it's the Warhammer world in that 40,000-year future. So you have things like the Tyranid Swarm, which are your bugs, and you have the Chaos with all of these really cool demons and things. And then you've got, you know, all kinds of alien races and space elves and the huge, you know, space marines. One of the most popular yeah, things you could the ever 40K possibly. Space marines. That's what I yes, always think of. Yeah. Space marines, you know, and then you've got the humanities on the edge, and there's all kinds of stuff going on with it. Huge, and they also had a fantasy world Warhammer, which was for their tabletop game. But they also made board games and big battle games and small skirmish games, and then role playing games, table, you know, TTRPG style games with that too. And I would say in the 80s and 90s. They were probably the competitor to Wizards of the Coast as far as big companies with big fan bases for this fantasy worlds and being able to play, you know, these types of games. You know, because really Lord of the Rings, nobody was pushing Lord of the Rings. They were selling their license to other people, but they weren't pushing their thing. So you had Wizards of the Coast doing their Forgotten Realms and their stuff during the 80s and 90s. And you had, you know... um, it was um, White Dwarf and um, the company. I'm forgetting the name of it. Um, White Wolf? White. No, no. Uh, Chattel, no. But the White Dwarf was the magazine they put out. I'm okay. forgetting the name of the, the company that builds it. But they were like the two juggernauts of this fantasy thing. And I think they just have really big fan bases that are fanatical about their stuff. And uh, I was crazy excited to see that they were going to have a crossover i just said you know this seemed insane to me um to see cards and artwork and see how this game is going to play but it is a commander deck set so i didn't want to say that mention that to people who i might be also hyping up and getting excited make sure you games check workshop. your prices on that games workshop that's it um because these commander decks seem pretty expensive have you been playing any of the commander deck Magic the Gathering, you're a Magic the Gathering guy. So. Oh, no, yeah, no. Uh, no, I haven't. Um, I bought one Commander deck because it was the Forgotten Realms one, and I thought it yeah. would be kind of fun, but I haven't, I didn't. I never actually got to play it. Right, uh, and I think most Commander games that I've seen are four-player games, right? I think they're all four-player games, yeah. So I'm having, I was having trouble trying to find another person to play magic let alone go find three people who are playing magic so i don't know what i'm going to do here i don't know if the game stores are running you know commander deck tournaments i might have to check into that and i don't know if um the online game that we kind of have been playing uh magic the gathering arena do they have a commander deck mode i do not um it's Come so on. which is is weird but i wonder i wonder if it's thing. because well it's it's not it's not competitive like it is with regular magic um, but, uh, it doesn't have that competitive scene, I guess. Um, but no, I thought it was weird that, um, they don't have a commander version for Magic the Gathering Arena, considering they have all of the other versions or something, but, yeah. um, I don't know. Well, I'm excited about this one. What I've seen so far is some of the commanders you might be able to pick from, and 
again, they're pricey, so be careful. I'm not telling you to go run right out and buy them like I'm going to. Don't do what Lucian does. But there is a Tyranid deck. There's a Chaos deck. There's a Necrons, which are like the Terminators of you know the future, the robots that have gone crazy and want to kill everything. And then there's the Imperium of Man deck. So there are lots to choose from. The artwork looked fantastic. I saw a lot of... I'm, I get a lot of... Um, People I follow on YouTube also for Warhammer because I like to see the tabletop game. So I have a lot of channels that I've saved. And even they're showing cards for the first time on. So they're kind of that community's kind of gotten a little bit excited about Magic the Gathering, which I've never seen on their channels. Right. So it must be, a, I think, a pretty good idea for them to do this crossover because I think they're reaching no, people that don't normally. Like I didn't care yeah. about Magic, but all of a sudden I had all these D&D cards and I thought it was really fun. So yeah. I'm really so sad bring, that bring out of standard... In the D&D cards have rotated out now. And I was like, oh, well, yeah. All my cool decks all that I made, made yeah. don't play on Magic the Gathering Arena anymore. I was all sad. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. October 7th is that release date, so we're not too far off. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to go buy probably a Tyranid Commander deck because when I built my Warhammer 40k army, I bought Tyranids, and I love the bugs, and I love this idea of the hive and all that stuff. It was pretty cool. So not that I will get to play them because I brought our commander decks to, to Gen Con and there wasn't, I didn't find a place to play, you know, yeah. three other players to play um, commanders. So I'll have to try to look harder for a place to play some commander gameplay. Cause I've got this cool, like you said, forgotten realms commander deck that I bought. That I was like, Oh, this could be fun to play. I haven't got a chance to, to put it out there yet. So for sure. Yeah, I I like the idea of Commander, and I watched a couple of videos on it, um, and it seems really cool. But yeah, you do need three other players, and but I love the idea that it's a hundred card deck, and Big. no two cards can be the same. Every card has yeah. to be a unique card, except basic lands, I guess. Uh, but that really like sparked it for me because I was like, what? Like that makes Imagine it that so you have a one in hundred chance of getting that synergy you want because a lot of times I play online and they're like, oh yeah, I'll just like search my deck for this card and, and mm-hmm. they're like, I don't know. It it always seems like it hinges on like you build a deck around getting those three cards you need to win. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, ah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kickstarters are going crazy. Uh, what's going on in the world of Kickstarters, Lucian? Well, we talked a little bit last week because the weird kind of had dropped. That one's on backer kit, but when we say Kickstarter, we, we say just mean crowdfunding, that. I guess is what we should say. But when yeah. I say Kickstarter, there's a lot yeah. of. I, I really am just considering. And all, all of these of are them, so. Kickstarter, except the weird. The weird was the, the only weird, one. Yeah. I, and that's Bonnie Cook Games has put out theirs called The Weird on backer kit. Um, backer kit is running their beta site for being able to run campaigns like this, crowdfunding campaigns on their yeah. own. Because normally they were a part of a Kickstarter campaign at the end of it. Um, and so we're, we're big, you know, Monty Cook fans. We talked about that one. And I took a look at it and it's doing really good. Um, it, you know, definitely funded. They're already hitting some stretch goals. And yeah. the weird was, it I just might love be some doing, of the stuff they do. It's weird because it might be doing better if it was on Kickstarter. But I know Could there's be. been a push to like, hey guys, we don't have to rely on Kickstarter. Like there's other ways yeah. to do it. But to get people signed up are kind of hard. But I will yeah. say... That they're almost at, they're at two hundred eighty thousand, which is uh, with good. twenty days left to go. So they're they're doing really well for, yeah. Um, yeah. And and the weird is system neutral. It's just a way to introduce weird concepts. It's a lot of fun roll tables. I think it's yeah. going to be useful if you're into weird. If you're into Monty Cook weird like Jordan is, this is going like to be a really great. That, that's what I thought too. This is a Jordan campaign yeah. for sure. I'm excited <laughs> to introduce like invisible sun elements yeah. to any game that I run. Yeah. So anybody that runs a what was it a, a Thursday night stream of the Pungent Quest uh, yeah. prep, so <laughs> you know is going to like the weird <laughs> kick, kickster or backer kit. So, so that was out there. We know Cobalt Press has put theirs out there called The Waste of Chaos, which is a 5e campaign world they're working on. Looks really cool. Looks very interesting. So when I was looking at that, then all of a sudden a bunch of these other ones were popping up. How similar do you think that is to the um, dungeon, uh, no, the uh, web DMs, weird yeah, wastelands? I wonder too, but it's Cobalt Press, so I mean, no, they they're very different. Really but it's just stuff. like, yeah. is it like? I wonder if they they both decided to. Well, you know, WebDM did it first, but it's like here's our mm-hmm. magical apocalypse setting, and then I saw yeah. this and I was like, it just felt very similar. But. I think, yeah, I think so too. I think that would be in the vein of the same thing. Um, and 
just like we have uh, Spelljammer kind of launched, you know, and we're looking for more content. You were talking about, you know, some of the other content that's out there. I saw a couple of these other ones out there that have now hit Kickstarter. Like Waystar is kind of a, a sci-fi space, yeah. but it's 5e rules conversion. Then another one I thought that was much more interesting as far as for a Spelljammer game was one called Starlight Arcana. And it's basically a 5e astral plane kind of campaign with lots of uh, subclasses, lots of new spells, lots of uh, astral magic items, um, and, a, and a whole campaign world around that, too. So I thought that one was a very cool look that one up if you're looking for something to add to maybe to your Spelljammer games. Oh, wow, um, that does look really cool. See, and the artwork looks really good. Hitchhiker's um, Guide to the 5e Galaxy. Yeah. Pretty cool. So good, good taglines in there, some good artwork. Yeah. They do have a free PDF, so you can go look at kind of some of the work you're going to get. It also sounds like most of it's been written, and what they're using this Kickstarter for, if it's the same one I read, because I read like 10 of these this morning <laughs> over, the, over the week. Oh, it's Europe, that. too. They're doing... Yep, okay, European, yeah. and they... They had most of it written. The Kickstarter is just to get it out there, not to say, hey, we're going to work on this over the next year and a half, and that's when you'll get it. So, yeah. that, and to that probably buy art, too. you know, yeah, like things like that. But I like it when like the mechanics are done. They're just like, we just need the money to get it, like to get the art and to get it out there. So, you know, edited, yeah, physical books, possibly those kinds of things. Um, another great company that we love, or I love, I buy all their stuff, Free League, who's put out a bunch yeah. of games that I've purchased. They are doing Dragon Bane, which is a remake of, or a redistribute. I think it's a re- they're redoing it. It's, um, it's like a... Um, their version of yeah. a Dungeons & Dragons game, but it was from the 70s when yeah. they were trying to make their own Dungeons & Dragons kind of game, not using TSR's game at that point. So Dragon Bane is out in Kickstarter. You can jump on that one. It looks very yeah, good. Free League uh, always puts out quality. What's it called? Drakkar Ak Demenor? Yeah. was the original like a, game. Yeah. And there, it, which was the original Scandinavian tabletop game. Scandi. Um, yeah. And they say reimagined, but I, what I, I think they've done is they've gotten new art and they basically cleaned up the rules, kind of like what Old School Essentials did with BXD and right. I think. But they can't call it that in America because it's too close to something else. So it's called Dragonbane for English. Um, I don't know anything about it. Originally launched in 1982, uh, but it looks cool. And you're right, Free League does amazing stuff. Like I I really have, I've backed a lot of Free League stuff, specifically for for Forbidden Lands, because I like that game a lot. But yeah. yeah. Well, and we were talking off show um, last week where we were saying a cool idea would be exploring other tabletop games that were coming out back in the 70s and 80s that were not Dungeons and Dragons, but were that countries of origins idea of we've heard of this thing. We kind of get the concept. We're going to build something like it too, but what what are our influences and what are our rules that we come up with? So like if you, you know, if there was a company in Japan that had heard about Dungeons and Dragons, they're like, well, we're going to make one, not a conversion of Dungeons and Dragons itself, but they're like, we're going to make our own. What would that look like? What was the Scandinavian tabletop role-playing game look like? What is the Swedish, you know, what is the, you know, what is the Russian or the, the, you know, the, the East Eastern European. Yeah. Rather than saying we want to take like a, anglo-saxon european kind of uh uh king arthur tolkien Mm -hmm. mythology and make a DD game around that like what what do elves because elves before tolkien were not angelic wonderful beings they were mischievous awful fake creatures (laughs) and so uh to take that like it just makes, I don't know. I, I would love to see yeah. that. Yeah. Um, like the old German Chess fairy the, tales. Like no. the German D&D was called Dark Dark Eye. Uh, okay. and to, but yeah. And so not for those fairy tales. And I feel like Vason does a, does a really good job of that with Free League. Where it is like, here's um, here's our like mythology. It's like the non-token. Like going, running token. after trolls, but they're very much like Swedish mythological trolls as opposed to... Uh, yeah. Tolkien trolls and stuff, you yeah. know, or yeah, or what they become in D and D, and then everybody's kind of using, you know, like the orcs are very similar. Once you get past the eighties, in most people's games, they're you know they're very yeah. similar type of thing with minor variations. But you could find an orc in a Japanese mythology that could be a very different thing. Yeah. 
you know, like, completely what different. would what would Japanese uh, a true Japanese tabletop RPG game not yeah. like? Because I know that they're pushing Five E into uh, yeah. that, but like to not have like well Fireball, like Chinese. well I don't cast Fireballs, I do this, you know. And, yeah. yeah, Indian. Um, oh man, there Native could be American all kinds so of cool. You know, Indian uh, would be really cool. Turkey, yeah. you know that like kind of Morocco, like that Middle Eastern area with their hey, mythologies Rex. and creatures <laughs> and stuff. So. That was what I thought was interesting, and that's why I wanted to bring Dragon Bane up, because it was in that that frame of idea that we were talking about of trying a game that was based not on something that was inspired by, like, a Tolkien or a, or a Dungeons yeah. & Dragons of the 80s. So I thought that and, was cool. And actually, to piggyback on that, so uh, there's a company out of Turkey that sponsored one of my videos recently. Yeah, we were talking um, That's what for it. Yeah, that's kind of... Yeah, yeah, because... Uh, so Historica Arcanum, that's they... The one. They're doing a new Kickstarter right now called Empires of the Silk Road. They haven't sponsored this segment good. at all, but I only talk about things that I really like. So what if, I, <laughs> I really like this. They sent me their original book, which was the Crescent City. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had some really awesome stuff. So it's made by people in Turkey about a alternate history um, Istanbul, like if nice. magic existed at this point, how would have that entire city have changed? And oh, so it's this so fictional good. world, but like, man, I was thinking about, um, you know, I like Al Kadim. I like the, mm-hmm. I like a lot of that Middle Eastern stuff. And so it would, this just seems like it would fit into that style of game. Or if you do need that kind of otherworldly city, that works. But Empires of the Silk Road, I, I'm on the fence whether I want to get it because it's kind of expensive, but like, because uh, I told myself that if I do it, I want the $200 collector set because it's really <laughs> cool. But I would 100% check out uh, Empires of the Silk Road. If The art is amazing. And it, it's people writing a book who really love what they're building. They're not building it to be like, well, this will sell. They're building it because like they have a passion for these stories. And it's it's yeah. awesome. So, And then the last one I was going to mention... Um that it was one that the artwork immediately caught my eye was the world of Kensai 5e art campaign world that's being built. And this one, this just, the artwork just captured me. I was like, this looks really cool and fun and interesting. Um, It's going to have subclasses. It's going to have, you know, everything that you could need for a 5e kind of campaign world to run and really evocative art, really, you know, um, samurai inspired um, kind of, you know, um, that feudal Japan, feudal China, like, feudal Korea, yeah, kind of that. that like, yeah, just yeah. like like the oni, really cool. Yeah, and, the yeah. red oni looked really, really cool, and so I thought it looked really neat. That's probably one I'm going to back after today's show. I'm going to hit the button on that one. I'm I'm maybe thinking about the Starlight Arcana because I think that one looked really good. There's just so many, you know, I, and I have at least 10. I'm still waiting for it to come in at this point. So I'm just yeah. a Kickstarter person. Um, I liked them. I saw you did throw I did see these other two you threw on there. But um, I, tell me why they, they piqued your interest, because I, I could tell when you wrote them on there. I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Jordan. Yeah. So, uh, well, I threw on his Empires of the Silk Road. But uh, this one, I just feel is getting a lot of um, press. It's only got, well, mm-hmm. maybe not a lot of press because they're not at 100K yet. But uh, and they got four days to go. But Dr. Grodbort's Scientific Science Adventure Violence. Adventure. <laughs> um and uh yeah this one is just kind of a one of those like 5e worlds that reminds me of of like deadlands i guess kind of where mm-hmm. it's just it's this weird take on um a, a very unique world that i would like to play in so it's kind of this is like a mixture of like the wild west steampunk and just robots and stuff mm-hmm. uh but yeah doctor i i don't know much about this but the art again totally uh, captured me and it looks like For it's sure. 5e compatible but yeah like laser guns and robots and they have a whole section here on um yeah rocket fighters so you could be like the uh uh like the rocketeer kind of it felt like that mm-hmm. um flash gordon very like really weird tanks and stuff so if you like those retro sci-fi kind of worlds this could be a really interesting thing but Dr. Grodbort's Scientific Adventure Violence, a role-playing game supplement. <laughs> so it looks cool. 
Um, and yeah, it's got four days to go, so you could definitely check that out. And it is a 5e supplement too. Yep. I think almost all these ones all we these talked are 5e, about. Yeah, yeah, so they're 5e. all D and D. Well, the weird is system neutral, but yeah, and Dragonbane is its own game. We should say that. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, no, and the other one that was kind of cool is Lord of Athera, Atheria, Dark Symmetry. So when we were at Gen Con, I think yes. we were just walking by and we're like, "Excuse me, what?" Like it looked really cool, just the cover alone. Um, they are coming out with if in the Kickstarter they've got a record. I guess records are the new thing with tabletop role playing games too. <laughs> like we'll do like a soundtrack because I know uh, Colville's been playing around with the idea of a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we got the Spelljammer soundtrack. And I, there's a couple of other RPGs that I've been doing that have been doing like cassette tapes or uh, to kind of get like a mood, like a feel. Um, and actually. Uh, Historica Arcanum has uh, MP3s as well to be like, here's a soundtrack to the game, um, which is kind of cool. Uh, but Lord uh, Lore of Etheria is another setting with crafting rules, um, new subclasses and stuff. I feel like they do subclasses just because it sells, but mm-hmm. it'll sell that way is what I should say. But it's like a weird underwater kind of setting. I'm not really sure. But the, again, the art is really cool. This is a terrible pitch where we're just like, yeah, I don't know. It looks cool. <laughs> but like, I, I don't know anything about it other than we were flipping through it. And I was really blown away by how complete this world felt uh, yeah. for that. And I think that's kind of the future for me of Dungeons and Dragons is uh, as the Forgotten Realms gets bloated and bloated with more options available for everybody, because it's like this encompassing thing where you can have everything in it. I really want to play an Eberron, or I want to play a Historica Arcanum, where I'm like, we're going to limit to these subclasses. Like, I mm-hmm. like that idea as I'm running new games. So, And this was one that partnered with another tabletop vtt yeah which was really trying to make a splash and i think it was the other reason that we kind of stopped in because they had their big screens up and they were showing how you could run this game and the in the way that the alchemy yeah yeah that's the alchemy had partnered with them and so it was they had a very cool looking presentation the artwork was top notch it looked like you could run a really evocative game they had some really cool ideas that they were going to be bringing in the future. They've got the main system up right now. You can go to their website and kind of use some of it. And Aether is already on there. You can get some of this uh, this campaign world already. And Dark Symmetry is another part of it. And then they're also going to be adding, and they've been talking about also adding features that make it so that streamers might be interested in using this as their VTT during their stream yeah. games, which was one of the reasons I'm on their Discord and I'm kind of keeping an eye on the stuff that's coming out over there. And, and I've actually jumped on and tried to create, um, you know, a couple of campaign worlds and stuff and see how it works. It's pretty good. I like it. Um, it's not as robust, I think, as World 20 yet, but they, they have like the the base that i think is really good and a plan to really kind of push it that seems like something well, to keep unlike roll 20 it looks like they focused more on presentation yes. for streamers like yes. this is interesting to watch and your players get immersed and there's like when you transition to the bar or to the tavern it like mm-hmm. does a new splash page and you can hear the crowd in the background like yeah. a lot of animated cool, yeah background so, stuff yeah. um Yes, I'll say, like, the rules aren't 100% there like they are for a Roll20 mm-hmm. or a uh, D&D Beyond, but they didn't focus on that first. They really wanted to be like, you know, you, you could use those on the side. This is more of, like, for the presentation mm-hmm. aspect of it, um, and it looks beautiful. Like, it looks really yeah. cool. So. The, and the, the art that they've chosen is really good, so you should go out to their website and check it out. Look them up. They were really cool. Um, I'm tracking them on Twitter, too, to keep an eye on updates. Just be like I was doing with Nexus, because... Nexus is that other VTT that I'm super interested in and seeing where it goes and what games they bring to their table. Just like, you know, we've got D&D Beyond, but I love to see some other big competitors out there that are going to, you know, Roll20 and yeah. um, Fantasy Grounds and some of these other ones that people use. But so I love I'll to see new this. technology. I backed the weird because I'm very excited and I like Monty Cook games. Uh, but that's the only one of these that I've backed so far. Um, yeah. What... What are you super interested in that you're thinking you want to grab? So it's definitely, I think when I'm done, I'm pushing the button for the world of Kensai because I like the thing. I'm definitely getting Dragon Bane Free League because I buy everything Free League. Okay. Anyways, 
Then I'm on the fence between Starlight Arcana or Waste of Chaos from Cobalt Press, because I love Cobalt Press stuff, too. Well, you know, Cobalt but... Press will be out in their store. You, you'll you be able to buy it. Like, so I and... can go to Gen Con next year and pick it up. Too. Exactly. And I don't yeah. I don't want to, like, they, they do Kickstarters because that's their business yeah. model. They have to. Uh, the same with The Weird. Like, The Weird mm-hmm. will be available on their store for a long time, yeah, Monty Cook Games. But uh, some of these other ones, like, um, come and go yeah you know and for a while uh forbidden lands was pushing gosh like two or three hundred dollars for me to get a copy because they were just out of print mm-hmm. and they're like oh yeah unless we do another kickstarter run so sometimes you have to like do what what i don't want to spend three hundred dollars for this but it's the only way to get a physical copy um, yeah. And then shortly after, they started another run, and that's how I was able to get my copy for not, like, a kajillion dollars. But uh, <laughs> So some of these, like Lord of Etheria or Historica Arcanum, this might be the time that you can get it, you know? Exactly. And I don't know about Starlight Arcana or Waystar, but who knows? So Yeah, and I think if I was going to be running or had plans to do a... Um spelljammer campaign like pretty soon like oh in a month i'm gonna run spelljammer yeah. i would be leaning more towards maybe the waystar and the starlight arcana but they they both look pretty cool to me they look very interesting i always like a 5e conversion because you know it's just fun to be able to play in a system you already basically know if they haven't changed You're familiar too much. with yeah so. and you can just you know and it's easier to teach other people if you do convince some people to play it you know you're gonna be able to teach them how to play it pretty easy then I have to teach them and myself, like when we did Invisible Sun. You have to teach yourself yes. and you have to teach your players who are trying to play the game. You know, that so that's difficult. a little bit tougher. <laughs> so those are the ones I'm interested in. I still, you know, sometimes I get them all, Jordan, and uh, my wallet burns, 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 <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I don't know. I, I need to slow down on Kickstarters. <laughs> um, I've got... But man, we got Plane Breaker recently. We got Plane. Well, Dia and that's the thing. It's coming. like I haven't oh even God. sat down so and really good. read Plane Breaker, and so I'm oh. like, I need. I want to utilize. I'm three chapters in. That's so good. Yeah, I want to utilize the books that I have because um, I was I rereading that. Arcana of the Ancients uh, yeah. when I was thinking about Eberron and playing. Basically, how can I play Eberron using Numenera? Is what I was thinking of. Um, yep. So yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And with the Great Modron March, I'm really focused on uh, planner stuff right now. So uh, yeah. I'm looking at a lot of the things that I already have to influence that game, and I don't necessarily think I need to jump on Lord of Etheria because by the time it comes out, I will be unable to. You will use be able to get that the on campaign, their site. You know, yeah. I will be. You'll done be able to buy it at the VTT site for there too, because they will sell that. So. Uh, so yeah. Very cool. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess I'll just talk about my games really quick because I am curious yeah. about what you're doing with your stuff. Uh, I was wondering here. if that'd catch your eye. <laughs> um, but uh, Great Motor on March started. Um, we didn't do so much of a planner adventure or a Great Motor on March as uh, the first adventure was a silly way for me to get them out of Sigil and into the actual adventure that we're going to run. Um, but it was a lot of fun. I did the Pungent Quest, which I've talked about before, which is just a really... I played it with my DCC group. This is what I wanted to play at Gen Con, but we didn't get to. Get to. Mm-hmm. So I, I put it into here where they had to navigate the Pungent in order to finally escape Sigil. Um, and how did they like yeah. it? Because that's what I was wondering. They did. Like, I know uh, you love this stuff. How, no, how was your group? Uh, did they It was funny it? because all of the characters decided that they hated puns. So everyone was, like, rolling their eyes and stuff. But uh, midway through the game, I was like, are you guys having fun? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and then afterwards, they were like, this is hilarious. Like, they loved it. So they had a good time. Um, it will. It was kind of a rocky start just because I think we all forgot how to stream. Um, but it will be uh, available on Nerd Immersion Plays uh, YouTube channel mm-hmm. and on my Patreon as a podcast. So you can catch up. And we're going to do this every Thursday. We're going to keep running it. So I'm going to be doing a prep uh, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow night, but sometime I got to work on a video today, I think for, uh, for the next prep and it's going to be the start of the March and they're going to have millions of Modrons rushing out of, uh, Mechanists and they're going to have to be like, well, what do we do? And I'm like, that's, that's the game, I guess. 
Yeah, um, did my did? Black Company Artificer game two weeks ago, but we didn't really get to talk about it. Uh, it a lot of fun there, running around. I think we're going to level up soon, which will be exciting, because I will be able to cast Haste, which I'm waiting for. Um, mm-hmm. But we are uh, in a vampire tower, and uh, we're playing tomorrow, so I'm excited to see where this is going to go in this vampire tower that we're running around in. That's got, like, spindly finger fingers as legs. Oh, that's and it's, right. like, walking around, so... Yes. Uh, but yeah, what are you, what are you doing in the world of of tabletop? <laughs> well, yeah, so we have our Tuesday night game, but um, one of our friends was coming back from a, a mountain climb over in Washington. So when I say that for the Americans on the West Coast, probably understand that that's a significant type thing to do over there because the mountains are big. <laughs> he was flying back on, I think it was Monday night, so he he didn't really want to play on Tuesday, and then so the kind of the game got postponed. So I had said, well, I'm going to be on at that same time anyways, because I marked that off on my calendar not to do anything but play tabletop games. And I said, I'm going to be there if anybody wants to build some Pathfinder 2 characters. And so a few of the players from that game jumped on, and we went through over a couple-hour session of building out three different Pathfinder 2E characters using just the base book, the, um, the very first book, which is the core rule book. You will find very quickly that Pathfinder in all of the stuff they put out add lots and lots more options. So it can definitely get a lot more, I don't want to say complicated, but a lot more choices to be made as you start looking at some of the more supplements. Right. But even this comes out with just some really good choices and options in it. And, uh, you know, a couple of goblins, a dwarf was, was created, and we went through the process, and now I feel like I know how to create a basic level one pathfinder 2e character from the book put it out on the spreadsheet on the character sheet we did use roll 20 and the roll 20 character sheet once you kind of figured out its little nuances did seem to help the process along with math and things like that and you know changing the cogs to make sure things work um so that was good and i think we had a great time learning the process and it is a very it, it's a little bit different than dungeons and dragons in the way it approaches some of those things and we the players came away from it really impressed with some of the things that you can do in there, especially where you get your bonuses, how you get your skill opportunities and things, because a lot of times it's coming from either your heritage or it's coming from your class or your background and those different things, but done in a different way than um, what you're used to in 5e. And here's, here's something I didn't even know. You don't even roll for your stats, Really? Okay. All of your stats in Pathfinder 2E start at 10. And then, depending on what you're choosing as you go through the rest of the process, those are going to move based on the choices you're making for your heritage, your background, your your class, and so yeah. on. And that's going to give you your stats that you're going to run with. So that was an interesting thing. Now, I will say, for those of you that are Pathfinder uh, experts in chat going, Lucian, you're wrong, that is how the base game plays. They do have in the advanced Dungeon Master's Guide that they put out the alternate rules. So you can do point by. They have alternate rules if you want to do point by. There's other ways you can do stuff. They, But that's not how the base game was written. Like So if you're going to play it as Pathfinder 2E was written, that's what we did that night. And that's what I told the players to try to focus on because I just wanted to get a good example of how would this be if we did a character creation session what are the types of questions we would have? What what would confuse us as we were going through it? And we found we were able to really figure out almost everything. Something would pop up that we'd go, how does this kind of work? We'd flip a page or two, we'd look it up, and then all of a sudden we'd, we'd have it. It explained it pretty well, and we'd be able to move on, and I think we were all pretty successful. I feel like a much better experience than I had when I did Starfinder. I felt Starfinder, I left character creation still with some unknowns, and like, I don't think this is right, is that what the number should be or is that how many of those things I should have or like I was still confused no matter how many pages I read this one it feels like they really tightened up their process the editing went through and did a better job of putting it together and I was pleasantly surprised on creating characters in Pathfinder 2e is pretty good and pretty fun so my next hope is that I could maybe convince uh, Jordan and Lex on a night where they're not doing anything which is probably impossible <laughs> to, to do a second test same thing and just see how you know a couple of different people coming from a couple of different way you know 
view lines of yeah, yeah. character generation and you I'll guys actually look at questions and you'll get mechanics a, like, oh, a little more too yeah, and stuff that's cool. you know how things are done to say okay let's go through it see how it works and then what'd you think of it what'd you like about it what was interesting what's what didn't you like you know those kinds of things your hit points are set and you're not rolling those so they take that kind of piece out of hmm. that too so there's some differences in there that are very interesting and now i'm curious we also might do a test here pretty soon if a game gets canceled on a Tuesday night where we test out how a combat would run and we might test out like a skilled challenge kind of thing where you're doing maybe like a, a chase through the city market where you're maybe trying to use lots of skills to do something, which you would do in any game. It doesn't matter really what game you're playing. Yeah. You come across combat and you have to kind of know how that's going to work. How are challenge is going to work when it's not combat related but they're doing things that that are not certain how is that going to work yeah when your player says can i like swing off the chandelier like you're like uh yeah roll this this i guess so yeah yeah so did you see how that feels how how easy we're able to get to those rules and then say hey then i was looking at roll 20 to see what campaigns i could buy for pathfinder and there's a couple of them on there for pathfinder 2e that maybe i could run a one of the the standard campaign world um that they put out one of their adventure paths or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so, that'd be fun. Very interesting. I, I, every time I read more in these books from Pathfinder, I'm more and more intrigued and want to keep going. I haven't reached a point where I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm gonna, you know, go look for something else at this point. It's like each time I read something else, and I'm like, oh, now I want to know more. But now that's cool. <laughs> yeah, so it's really good. It's been a really fun experience, and I am definitely not a. We talked a little bit about this. I know we're running over that there, there's the group of Pathfinder community that like to rub Dungeons and Dragons in the dirt a little bit or the I told you so you should be playing our game and not that game because of this or that. I'm not coming from that. I love D&D. I love 5e. I love, you know, I love playing 5e. I think it's a great system. I think the majority this of one's it is impressive not the loud, uh, angry <clears throat> yeah. people, but I, I agree, yeah. Pathfinder uh, 2e is really impressive good. I from somebody who likes game. D&D. I think if you like like a lot of people are intimidated by the crunch probably myself as well um mm-hmm. but there's a strong part of me that loves character builds like i st- i mean if I, yeah. if you stare at magic the gathering cards trying to find synergy there's no difference than staring at your character sheet and like okay yeah. if i level up but if i take this spell you know like it's that's fun mm-hmm. for a lot of people so yeah yeah so very interesting um i think it'd be a cool conversation to compare the two Based on, we've talked about this before, and I was kind of starting to put a video together, but then it, it, the whole kind of scene got flooded with everybody doing comparisons. So I kind of thought, ah, I'll sit back and let it cool down. But I thought it'd be cool to say, just the player's handbook, you build a character just from player's handbook 5e, none of the supplements, none of the extra stuff. Compare that to Pathfinder 2e, none of the supplements, just the book, just the main one, first book that you use. And just go through and not compare them as one's better or not, but just to see the differences and the choices they made and and to think about, oh, what does that mean because they made this choice? I'll give you an example. Like the races they, uh, the heritages they put in the game for Pathfinder, they had to make a choice, right? Because they know they have all these ones that they created in Pathfinder 1. So it's not like they didn't have these already known or, or whatever, but they had to choose which ones go in the main book is just people only buy this book. They don't have any of the supplements. What are we going to give them here? And in here, we had things like, you know, the goblins there, the dwarfs there, the elves there. Of the races in Pathfinder, you can start with 2E that I thought was interesting. Four of them are under three foot tall, and only two of them are above that. Elf and human. The rest are small, you know, dwarf, halfling, gnome, goblin. So four that are small, two that are thing, And that those are your base kind of starting heritages that you can yeah, choose from. yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Or just um, like goblins being a core race is Yeah, that's a very choice, different right, they say. From D&D, you know. Huge so. core choice, yeah. yeah. So I thought that was fun. And they obviously have all the other races out there. Don't get me wrong. There's so many supplemental different races you can play, so don't feel like you're confined if you don't have those. But yeah, my but, point is like the goblin isn't yeah. in the PHB. Right. As a player race, you know, that came yeah. later and things like that. Yeah. But the tiefling and, is like, why is the tiefling but not a goblin, you know? So. Right. So D&D chose the tiefling, right? Yeah. I thought that was cool. Well, what about the classes? So they choose what classes that are going to be our first ones, right? The only ones that we're going to do. So we get all the same ones that kind of Dungeons and Dragons chose for their 5e. The difference being no paladin in second edition. They call theirs the champion. 
they switch it up a little bit different. So it is still kind of like a Paladin, but they, they flavor it differently. So there's a design choice there. They and then the only other of, one... Uh, Freddie Mercury style, so... Yeah, there you go. Yeah. The only other one that's in here that you might seem different would be the Alchemist is one of the starting classes that you would do. And, you know, you have a lot of them. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve possible starting classes... In your book, you only buy one book, you have 12 to choose from, six heritages just to get you started. And it's amazing. I just thought it was kind of a cool thing to look at, which ones they included, which ones they didn't include. So no, so 5e has the Warlock, which we don't really have here, but we have the Alchemist here. So mm-hmm. just, just a slight difference. Now, there is Warlock-like creatures, you know, classes later on. But just in this base, monk, fighter, druid, cleric, wizard, sorcerer, rogue, ranger, champion, their paladin, bard, barbarian, alchemist. So I thought it was interesting. I just thought that was just a cool thing to look at. And there's so many supplements that you can get to add to your game. So, all right. I know we went over, but I was excited. It made me excited. Um, How dare you, sir? It's good. I mean, I, I'm surprised. <laughs> I keep thinking that I'm going to run across in heaven something right I don't now. Like. They're just like, oh, Lucian playing PF or Pathfinder 2. <laughs> you should great. see all the people talking to me on Twitter all of a sudden, too. Like, I have a, a million Twitter friends all of a sudden because I've been talking about Pathfinder stuff, too. So there's a big community out there that really loves this game. Yeah, it's true. So. Um, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for uh, liking, subscribing, uh, for your support, both on this channel and on Patreon and what have you. We really value you guys. This has been a fun like three four years in of a show that we're doing uh it's just great um so 220 yeah 220 episodes it's awesome so thank you guys so much we will be back uh next week with another episode of saturday morning dnd show thank you